Well, good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health Radio here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on free conference call and Jitsi. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram Retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, May 31st, last day of the month. And I had the wrong date in here, but I remembered. (laughs) Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. This program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural healing modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to fix itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the iTeraCare device, which is featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And there's all kinds of information about that. We've got downloadable flyers, brochures, the uh, link to a YouTube playlist with about 130 videos on it talking about the technology, how it's used, and testimonials from people all over the world talking about how well these things have worked for them, the life-changing results they've had. So uh, we encourage you to check that out. There's also a link to the um, standalone website dedicated to the device. And there you can get more information, more testimonials, and there's the link to place an order. And there are $380 delivered to your door in the U.S. That's the full amount, no extras like tax or shipping or anything. It's all figured in. So Not just... hearing anything, Jim. What's that? Uh uh somehow the stupid thing muted itself on me <laughs> i had it unmuted and it just clicked over and decided to mute me <laughs> thanks yeah appreciate it thought, well i'm thinking i bet it's done that again because we're not hearing anything yeah it's weird you know i didn't touch anything didn't do anything it just clicked and just decided to mute all by itself yeah which it's uh happens from time to time but <laughs> yeah. i i appreciate that Anyway, I'm not going to go back over everything. Um, It'll be on the recording if somebody wants to hear the spiel. But uh, just check out the website, yourdiyhealth.com. Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. And uh, lots of stuff there. Check it all out. And on the radio shows tab, you'll see the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. And if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information about the shows we do, when they're on and how you listen. And at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show as well as the Telegram channel. And uh, that's pretty much it. Just keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, uh, Jitsi, Free Conference Call, or their owners or sponsors, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. That being said, I'm just going to uh, fix some things here or clean up some stuff on the screen. And, man, tomorrow is the 1st of June, almost halfway through the year. Cruising right along. 
Well, um, yesterday I heard a really, really good recording that I want to play. Uh, Maria Z of Z Media um, and Dane Wigington of uh, Global, or what is it, um, geoengineeringwatch.org. And he's the guy that's been watching all the chemtrail stuff and all that kind of junk and had some really, really, really good information. So without any further ado, this is about a 46-minute video. Uh, be a little shorter because they've got breaks that we'll fast forward through. But uh, this is uh, Maria Z interviewing Dane Wigington regarding chemtrails. Here we go. The maniac future that they have planned if we don't do something to stop it and one of the things that we have to stop is geoengineering. I'm joined today by special guest Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org. Dane, thank you so much for coming on. I think we're having some issues. I'm having some issues hearing you, Dane. I don't know if the audience is having the same issues, if the team can just work on that for a moment. Dane, if you're not familiar with his work, geoengineeringwatch.org is one of, I think, the largest library uh, of research that Dane has been doing over the years, him and his team, and it is very, very solid information. They have an entire document yeah, library where you good. can view geoengineering over, over the years. Uh, they've got the patents that have been filed for geoengineering. It is not a conspiracy theory. It is conspiracy fact, and you can see that fact if you visit geoengineeringwatch.org. I think we've got Dane back now. Dane, thank you. Can you hear me okay now? We sure do, Dane. Thank you loud and clear. Thank you for your continued attention to this issue. And yes, our point, our premise, our mission at geoengineeringwatch.org is that there can be no legitimate discussion about climate anything from any perspective without addressing the climate engineering operations, which are the single most disrupting factor of all. We're not denying the other sources of damage to the planet from other forms of human activity, but we're saying that how can anybody address any aspect of the climate without addressing this biggest of all climate disrupting equation? And as you stated earlier, Maria, on the crop disruption, we're seeing such a consistent targeting of agricultural regions at critical points in agricultural production, flash freeze, flash drought, flash flood, that we can't now discount that climate engineering is being used as a weapon to thwart crop production, period. This conclusion is, is backed up by hard data. Absolutely, Dane. And I think when, when I reached out to you, you said sim a similar thing to me. You said, thank you for your continued attention to this issue. How can we not pay attention to this issue? You know, the first time I interviewed you, which is <clears throat> some time ago now, uh, the skies, even at that point, which it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you could still see a clear sky. I can't remember the last time that I saw a completely clear sky for an entire day or more than one whole day, Dane. It is absolutely insane. They have gone mad. Uh, and when I when I reached out to you, you said to me that there have been developments on the geoengineering front. A lot more is happening around the world. So I want to focus on that with you today. Um, but really, for, for, for people that don't understand, give us, we've got a minute until the break, a brief overview of how long has this been happening and when did we really start seeing the Acceleration. programs have been ongoing since immediately after World War II, but we saw a major ramp up in 1999. We've seen several ramp up ramp ups since 2012 as well. The stated purpose for your listeners from the scientific community is to put light scattering particles into the sky to block some of the sun's incoming thermal energy, the sun's heat. What else does that do? It traps more heat than it deflects, creating more overall warming. It's destroying the ozone layer, disrupting the hydrological cycle, contaminating every single breath we take. 
So the bottom line is there's no rational denial of this issue at this point, Maria, because we have up close film footage of these aircraft at altitude, nozzles visible, turning on and off. And that image that's being shown right now is not climate engineering. In fact, that's weather modification. It's very different from climate engineering. Those planes, single engine propeller plane with flares in the wing can dump a few pounds of material in the atmosphere at best. A military tanker like a KC-135 can dump 100 tons of nanoparticles in one payload. So keep in mind, there's two different distinctions here. The weather modification Hang on, is used Dane, to- we've, we've got to go to break. I want you to continue on the difference between climate and weather engineering right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org is here now talking to us about the different types of engineering that we're seeing uh, in the weather and the climate. Dane, please go on with what you were saying before the break. Thank you, Maria. Important distinction that the publicized weather modification programs, which are generally single engine propeller driven airplanes with a few flares on the wings, those programs are designed to confuse the public as to what climate engineering actually is. They're used as a as a smokescreen, if you will, to, to mask climate engineering from the population. So the bottom line is very big difference distinction between the known weather modification, which is cloud seeding, very small scale, meaningless against the backdrop of the climate intervention operations, which our precipitation tests have extrapolated the amount of material being dumped into the skies annually from geoengineering jet aircraft to be somewhere in the range of 40 to 60 million tons of nanoparticles dumped into our skies. And again, this is creating conditions, Maria, like you see on almost every storm now in the U.S., you have massive hail. And that's indicative of climate engineering operations with chemical ice nucleating elements. They can create surface flash freezes, but this is damaging crops as well. Uh, again, the degree to which the planet's life support systems are being disrupted by climate engineering, aka weather warfare, let's call it what it is, it can't be overstated. Absolutely. Now, I want to ask you about these the, the, the nanoparticles that have been dumped into the air. We're hearing a lot about nanotechnology, nanoparticles. I've previously asked you the questions, you know, do these nanoparticles cre uh, contain technology? You said um, you've released a documentary, Graphene Skies. This is something that is being sprayed. Talk to us about the difference between what was contained in nanoparticles back then and now. Have we got an analysis on that? What we do know, the, the primary elements, aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer fibers, surfactants, which are what makes soap soap. If people have seen foaming rain, that is indicative of surfactants being seeded. It keeps these particles from sticking together, but also graphene. So in the case of graphene and polymer fibers, we know that those two elements are used militarily for biological warfare as biological carrier agents. It means it can carry a pathogen from the cloud to the ground. Why are these elements in our rain? And they absolutely are. Our last 100 lab tests almost all contain graphene. So again, the, the gravity what's folding in our, unfolding in our skies being waged on populations without their knowledge or consent can't be overstated. It's not just weather warfare, but at this point must be considered also a form of biological warfare as well. And here's my question, Maria. When the power structure feels that they are completely backed into a corner, Will they level the playing field by dispersing something much more devastating, like a hemorrhagic fever, Ebola, Marburg? Would they use these biological carrier platforms that are already being sprayed into our skies to carry that type of pathogen from the cloud to the ground? I think we would be very naive to think they wouldn't. Well, I want to ask you about that because I did listen to a couple of your recent updates where you were talking about pathogens. Is it possible 
to spray something like hemorrhagic fever or something that would trigger hemorrhagic fever in the skies. And I want to add here that from people like Todd Callender and, and his um, team, Lisa McGee, they found uh, that within the shots, and I've had Todd on this broadcast before, within the shots, there is programmable technology that can actually uh, create these symptoms uh, remotely even uh, that was in the COVID injections. Now we're finding that this is, you know, this similar technology is being found in food, in the air, in the water, everywhere. Uh, so is are we talking about programmable technology in the skies as well um, and part biological, part technological pathogens being sprayed in the air? In regard to anything in those categories, I, I, I would not want to speak about what we can't know, but what we can know is bad enough. What we do know is more than dire enough to call this an existential threat. So again, when we know we have the world's second most recognized climate engineer, Dr. Ken Caldera, former Department of Defense scientist, we have an audio of him on the record stating what he did for the US Department of Defense was to design ways of spraying pathogens into clouds to infect the populations below. He now works for Bill Gates, by the way, but when we know this technology is actively sought, pursued, refined from the US Department of Defense, why would we think they're not going to use this on US populations when we know as of 1977, according to the Washington Post, the US military had conducted at least 239 open air biological tests on innocent, unknowing US populations. So the bottom line is, they would use this certainly based on their past history to level the playing field. They have the technology to do it. The spraying operations are already in place. The elements used to carry these pathogens from the clouds to the ground are already in the mix. And even without these other pathogens, all these particles are fungal proliferation platforms. And we have fungal infection decimating everything from soil microbiome to flora, trees, crops, and so this is a platform with which they can wreak havoc on the entire web of life and populations without those populations ever even knowing they're under assault, Maria. They can blame it on nature. It's absolutely criminal. It is absolutely criminal. You know, <clears throat> every time I've interviewed Dane, I've said, we can do our best to avoid the shots. We can do our best to avoid major chain grocery meat, which is where this uh, the technology that I'm talking about has been found. Just look at my recent interview with Dr. Anna Mahaicha on that subject. It's up on Band.video. Uh, and so, and by the way, Z Media is conducting a, a a very very important interview this week with Dr. Anna and Karen Kingston on this uh, subject of the polymer fibers and the graphene as well, Dane, because uh, these two things. <clears throat> Uh, seem to be a key in a lot of this technology. Um, so actually, before I move on, talk to us about these polymer fibers and graphene. Why is this so key to them and their technology? Well, again, in addition to the scenarios I've already mentioned, we now know from peer-reviewed science study that the polymer <coughs> nanoparticles are showing up in human everything, human organs, in the brain. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. The smaller the particle is, regardless of the material, the more lethal it becomes. And we're talking about lethal materials on top, on top of that. Again, aluminum, barium, strontium, manganese, polymer, the graphene. All of these combined create what's called synergistic toxicity, so they become much more toxic still. And this doesn't even take into account potential pathogens that are being utilized with these materials as well. So in the case of Mercury and aluminum, which we all have in us now, we know that the combination of those two materials increases the overall toxicity by 10,000%. That's 
100 times worse. It's a wonder any of us can function at this point, Maria. So the bottom line is, as you so correctly stated, we can hide from the injection, but we can't hide from the air we need to breathe. And these particulates that are all over the globe, ubiquitously raining down on all of us. And we have, again, peer-reviewed study to prove that there is not an uncontaminated drop of rain anywhere on planet Earth at this point. Nowhere. North Pole, South Pole, top of Mount Everest. Every single drop of rain is contaminated with forever chemicals, including the elements I've just named. All right. <clears throat> Who's doing this, Dane? I mean, I, I want to say right now, Z Media has a really bombshell report on geoengineering because we, we, we've really been focusing on this of late and we found some damning evidence. That'll be released next week. It'll be up on Band.Video. So keep an eye out for that on the Z Media uh, banner on Band.Video. But it, to your knowledge, who is actually responsible for this, Dane? I think we can say this with absolute certainty that all roads lead back to the source of money. Those who control the central bankers, they fund militaries, thus they control militaries, thus they control countries. So that is the top tier of the matrix, if you will, those who control the money printing. All roads lead there, Maria. I've I've found some contracts with, you know, local energy companies there in the US. Uh, I've found contracts with water management companies in the US, the state of Utah, Colorado. As I said, really huge report coming out next week on this. Um, but, you know, how, how is it that a that a local energy company is thinking that it's a great idea to go and spray stuff in the sky and, you know, within their own documents saying that they're going to be doing this to cool the earth and, and talking about the toxic chemicals that they're spraying. What, what, how do they get away with this, Dane? Well, they convince the public that more technology will fix what technology did in the first place. And that at this point should be seen for the insanity that it is. So the bottom line is, with what climate engineering is affecting, again, every breath we take, they are also drying out boreal forests, creating the conditions for unprecedented wildfires to burn. Many would ask, why would they do that? It's important to understand what their myopic goal is, to put as much atmospheric particulate pollution in the sky as possible. And they're now using forest fires as part of this mechanism. And their stated purpose is to mimic the temporary cooling effect of a volcano. And that's what they're incinerating. Let's get back to that right after the break. Dane, viewers, don't go anywhere. Share this broadcast everywhere. And we are back with geoengineering expert Dane Wigington. Dane, before the break, you were talking. Please continue. Just wanted to make, make clear the degree of insanity we're dealing with to incinerate Earth's last remaining life support systems, i.e. the boreal forests, in an attempt to put more particulate matter into the atmosphere. And what's their next step after that, Maria? We have leaders, I don't want to even, that, that term is far too dignified for them, but we have people in Washington already discussing what they see as a potential benefit in a nuclear bomb exchange to put even more particulate matter in the atmosphere. And if that happens, we're done. And that's, but that's how they see a solution to what they see wrong with the climate is to fill the atmosphere with particulate matter and about the forest fires and their burning. Climate engineering is absolutely positively setting the template for those fires to burn with such ferocity. We have fires burning now throughout Canada, including Quebec. We have Northern Siberia on fire, incinerating. Well, actually this was going on when we even had two weeks ago, plus we had snow in Southern California while we had Canada and Siberia incinerating. That's not normal, it's not nature. 
I encourage your listeners to search this title, one of our most important reports, search Wildfires Serve Geoengineering Agenda. There's copies of peer-reviewed study in that report advocating for the burning of forests for the purposes of geoengineering. So consider that level of insanity and is our nuclear weapons next. And the source of ignition, I want to make this clear, the source of ignition for these fires, that's a separate subject. Our point is what is setting the template for these fires to burn with such ferocity? That is climate engineering, period. It's interesting you say that. I had uh, Celeste Solemn right here on uh, the Alex Jones show not that long ago. She's uh, she's a researcher and she was talking to me about the wildfires that happened uh, in Australia just before COVID. Uh, and she was discussing uh, aircrafts that are able to spray something to essentially put the population into a spell so that they're you know, ready for the propaganda that's coming. So that's the spiritual aspect of this. But I wonder, with the uh, with from a geoengineering aspect, uh, you know, are they able to manipulate the population through what they're spraying? Are the chemicals able to make make us docile and things of this nature? Well, certainly, we know with absolute certainty that the particles we are absorbing. They're very bioavailable, very bioaccumulative. They build up in our system. We know that that has a very negative cognitive effect, period. We know that IQs in the U.S. based on peer-reviewed science study have declined six to nine points in the last generation. That's an astronomical drop in cognitive function. So the bottom line is, yes, we know in the case of moon nanoparticles, based on available science study, they enter through the olfactory nerve in the nasal passages, go straight into the bloodstream, cross the blood-brain barrier, and start a cascading downstream negative effect of cognitive dysfunction. So that's a given. These particles are making us all dumber by the day, period. That's indisputed science fact. But when we see them, and we have film footage of this in our groundbreaking documentary, The Dimming, which is available for free to view on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org, we captured time-lapse film footage of blanket aerosol spraying directly on top of the smoke canopy above the the very well-known Paradise Fire. Film footage proves this. Why are they blanket spraying particulate matter on top of a smoke canopy so it settles down through that canopy? We know at minimum these particles are incendiaries. Aluminum is an incendiary dust. It's settling over forest foliage, the forest floors, so that further fuels the ferocity of the fires. But what else might be in this mix that we're all inhaling. And we know how toxic smoke is anyway. When you start to add all this to it, it becomes unbelievably toxic to a degree that we can't even quantify at this point. Uh, you mentioned recently that, that, I think it even says it on your website, that this is happening predominantly over highly populated areas. Why do they choose to focus on highly populated areas? Is it mainly about poisoning those people? That wouldn't have been from our website. Because we, okay, we definitely see blanket, we see, we see blanket spraying over very remote areas, Siberia, North Pole, South Pole. And again, to affect global weather patterns, it, anywhere you apply these types of technologies, it, it's affecting the entire system. And we know climate engineering was first fully deployed over the polar regions. But the bottom line is wherever this is deployed, even if people don't see it in the skies directly above them, it's drifting in from upwind. There's no place to hide, as you so correctly stated earlier in this exchange. There is absolutely nowhere to hide from this particulate matter. And at best, what people think now is a blue sky is a silvery white particulate field sky. Encourage people to go outside if they have a dark location near them on a, a day that's hazy where they're, they're dispersing these aerosols. Take the brightest light they can find, dark place, 
aim it straight up into the sky and look up through that beam. You have to see it to believe it. it looks like you're in a blizzard. There's so many particles coming down. You can't see them during the daytime. Consider that we're breathing that all with every breath we take. And, and I'll leave it at this. We have recent peer-reviewed science study that concludes that we are inhaling as many as 20 million nanoparticles in every single breath we take. That is very difficult to conceptualize or believe, but consider that 100,000 nanoparticles can, can fit across the width of a single human hair. That's how much particulate matter we're breathing. In fact, recent peer-reviewed study indicates we might be breathing as enough plastic to make a credit card every month. Try to, try to understand that. That's mixed in food, the air we breathe. So these nanoparticles are everywhere. They're a primary element in climate engineering patents. It's not just decomposing plastic around the globe. It's also what's being dispersed into our skies as part of these operations. I, uh, we, Z Media did a report some time ago, Dane, on the uh, geoengineering, Australian geoengineering. And we found legislation that dates back decades, the Rainmaking Act uh, in Victoria, the state of Victoria. And that legislation clearly states that rainmaking operations that are done in Victoria can affect other states. And so, you know, people normally think that this is just, it's got to be directly overhead in order for it to affect that area. But this is, um, we're talking about thousands of kilometres away being affected from one rainmaking operation in Victoria. And they're supposed to, you know, submit these reports regularly. Uh, you know, we've had freedom of information requests. They didn't respond to my initial inquiry, uh, the department that's responsible for this. So, you know, talk to us about, being able to affect weather uh, from one location to another, because I know that I believe it was 2016 or 17, WeatherTech conducted rainmaking operations from Jordan in Australia. They do, certainly a lot of private companies involved in this now. Uh, the basic principle is completely flawed. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand if you seed clouds in one place and make that rain fall where it otherwise wouldn't have, it didn't get to where it was going. And again, all these private smaller scale companies pale in comparison. They're virtually meaningless against the backdrop of climate engineering operations. So again, look at it as a matter of scale. A small scale weather modification plane perhaps can disperse a few kilos of materials into the clouds. A KC-135 military tanker, US military tanker can dump a hundred tons in one payload. So they use again the smaller scale weather modification as a smokescreen for the larger geoengineering operations. In regards to their ability to affect weather, we know from historical record, Project Popeye in Vietnam was so successful at affecting rain precipitation that they passed international treaties in the 70s forbidding weather modification. Not that anybody follows those treaties. And we have, as far as cutting off the precipitation, immediately after 9 11, we had the list of countries the US targeted, a list that existed clearly before 9 11. And we had all of those countries subsequently underwent a once in 1,000 year drought. Statistically, mathematically, it's impossible to have that kind of coincidence without Dane, climate we've, engineering. We've weather. got to go to break again. We've got to go to break. We'll be back in a short time. Don't go anywhere. We're here with Dane Wigington, geoengineeringwatch.org. Weather warfare today is perhaps one of the most egregious, if not the most criminal aspect to this war that is being waged against humanity because it's something that we simply can't control. We can control what we put in our bodies, but we can't control what they are spraying above us and the the absolute disaster that they are creating 
to this planet with their weather warfare. Uh, before the break, Dane, you were talking about uh, the fact that, you know, geoengineering uh, is not supposed to happen and, and they, they you know, uh, had had treaties to prevent this. And, you know, we, we have similar treaties as far as biological warfare goes, but the globalists don't seem to care about that anymore. They're just waging this warfare everywhere. They do whatever they want because they can. So to cut to the chase on how these weapons are used, again, the crown jewel weapon of the military industrial complex, that they can bring population to their knees without those populations even knowing they're under assault. So the Middle Eastern countries were hit hard, destabilizing, again, cutting off their precipitation, destabilizing food production, thus destabilizing populations. Same programs have been used throughout Africa for decades, destabilizing those countries Behind the scenes, U.S. government forcing those countries to allow U.S. occupation. Again, this this a very covert and very effective weapon. And I don't want to implicate just the U.S. military. They are all involved with this. We have documents at geoengineeringwatch.org. In fact, one Senate document, 800 pages long, going back to the 70s. Your listeners can look this up under massive Senate document, geoengineeringwatch.org. And that outlines the global cooperation in these programs for exactly the reasons you so correctly mentioned earlier, Maria, that when you geoengineer over any part of the world, you affect the entire world. So they all have to be colluding and cooperating, and indeed they are. And this Senate document calls for that intergovernmental cooperation, even between otherwise adversarial nations, i.e. China, Russia, U.S., on these programs. Because again, you can't just geoengineer over your own country. They're all involved. U.S. military being the biggest player of all because our military is bigger than the next 10 biggest militaries combined. And if we look at the tanker fleets, aerial tanker fleets, U.S. military aerial tanker fleet is three times bigger than all other militaries in the world combined. So it's the biggest player, but not the only player. They're all involved. Whatever the surface tensions are, Maria, they are all involved with these programs for numerous reasons. It's not just a this or that reason. There are many reasons, and we outline those at geoengineeringwatch.org. And you and I have spoken about this before, but for anyone who hasn't seen our prior interviews, talk to us about things on the ground like HARP. What is the difference between uh, that technology and how does it affect the weather differently to what's being sprayed? Thank you for asking. Very, very important question. We have these atmospheric particulates, which are electrically conductive. They're being manipulated with extremely powerful frequency transmissions. HARP is only one of as many as 100 similar facilities, different designs around the world. HARP is the biggest of all. There's multiple aspects in which they can manipulate the weather. In the case of HARP, it's an ionosphere heater. That is a weapon of mass destruction. There's no speculation this facility exists. Your listeners can look at photos of it and, and research data on it. HARP can beam three and a half million watts of power into the electrically charged ionosphere. That creates massive heating in that layer of the atmosphere, pushes, it, pushes the atmosphere up and down. The downward push creates a high pressure heat dome. Maria, you've probably heard meteorologists mention this a lot more lately, high pressure heat domes, extreme heat under these regions. And in doing this, they can wreak havoc on the ground. They can literally fry crops in the field and they, in the Northern Hemisphere, for example, the upper level winds spin clockwise around that heat dome so they can push moisture around that, what acts like an atmospheric pulley and direct it into other regions where they can chemically nucleate, create hail, extreme storms. We see the extreme storms now constantly in the US over many of the agricultural regions. And when you create these types of colliding air masses, you get a, a multitude of cyclonic rotations, i.e. tornadoes. So. Again, the complexity of the havoc they are wreaking on the planet, 
our food production populations can't be overstated. In addition to all that, everything they spray settles to the surface. We get to breathe it, all of it highly toxic. Thank you for clarifying that, Dane. I want to ask you because you talk, you've spoken to me about the heat domes that they create before. And for those that don't know, in Australia, they were talking to us about uh, uh, La Nina and you know uh, months and months and months of rain, which we've never had. Uh, you know, but what I want to ask you, Dane, is my observations as someone who's lived in this country that has had obnoxiously hot summers since I can remember as a child. I mean, to the point of we're going to die. It's so hot. We're not having warm weather at all anymore. I mean, it is rare. Last year we had, you know, the, the number of beach days I could probably count on two hands uh, during our summer. It's just freezing all the time. And now they're coming out with articles in the mainstream media saying that, you know, freezing temperatures are sweeping over Australia. How is that possible when they're creating, you know, as you said, they're trapping the heat? Uh, why is it so cold? It's cold in a select few regions and parts of the U.S. and the U.S. Southeast just experienced this as, as well. They had some record cold temperatures over Memorial Day weekend while the majority of the rest of the world is incinerating. So this is part of the climate engineering agenda to affect the perception of populations. If it's cold outside their door, it must be cold everywhere. This is, again, chemical ice nucleation for weather modification. These are patented technologies. The listeners can search the engineering winter section on the homepage of geoengineeringwatch.org. That's why we have the massive hail everywhere. It's causing ice to nucleate at far above normal temperatures. It's a chemical nucleation. So what was what's occurring again while you're experiencing those temperatures in Australia, while the US Southeast just had record cold temperatures? Northern Siberia, record highs, pushing 100 incinerations, same in Canada. We had Thailand just record, according to the China Morning Post, Thailand just recorded a temperature of 120 degrees. It obliterated all former records. India, 114 degrees in April. Americans don't see this. So again, if it's hard to perceive of something being different somewhere else when it's cold outside your door, but I want to make clear that's a very shallow layer of cold. We're speaking to pilots that hit a thousand feet up off the deck and they're seeing temperatures jump 25 degrees, sometimes more. We've been contacted by two former military pilots that recently had, they fly private jets, they fly very important people. Their jets were forced into a, an emergency autopilot descent from above 40,000 feet because it was 45 degrees above normal. The air wasn't dense enough to even carry those aircraft. So again, people need to look at the global perspective, not just outside their front door, and we recorded for the entire month of March. Maria, you remember all the snowpocalypse here in the West, correct? Yes. You remember that. So what happened during March elsewhere? We, when we have the departure for normal high temperature map for the entire month of March, the only place in the entire world that was below normal temperatures was part of the North American continent where this was going on. Virtually the entire globe was red at above or far above normal. So I, I wanna point out again, climate engineering is absolutely worsening the planetary temperature scenario. And we have peer-reviewed science study to prove that now. So the, the entire premise for solar radiation management is completely flawed. There is no benevolence in these programs. They're malevolent period. They're about power and control period and they are destroying what's left of the planet's life support systems, period. 
Look, I am very, very skeptical as far as the, uh, you know, the, the temperatures that are released by organizations such as the Bureau of Meteorology and, and places like this, you know, official government bodies telling us that the world's on fire. Um, but I, I certainly accept, you know, what you're telling me from the pilots that you're talking to and the fact that we may not I may not know everything that's going out there. I mean, I certainly don't claim to. Uh, so, so that's really fascinating information. I mean, everyone I speak to uh, here in this country just complains about how cold it is, and we hate it. We want our stinking hot Australia back. Uh, you know, that's what we're known for. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's the same here in the US. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th I, I, I don't doubt that. Um, after the break, we're going to break in about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. But I, I want to talk to you about the green agenda and how they're telling us that CO2, which is the gas of life, is the, the problem here um, and what your thoughts on that are. And then I really want to focus on some of your recent work, some of your recent reports and what people need to do in the last segment of today's uh, show. Because I think, you know, when we look at all of these agendas, Dane, we just think, my goodness, it's all so big. But you're an example of someone who's gone, right, this particular thing, I, I'm going to dedicate my life to it and I'm going to make a difference. And you really are. You've woken so many people up. So right after the break, we're going to talk about those th those few things. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're back with Dane Wigington of geoengineeringwatch.org. So, Dane, I talk to a lot of people and they are willing to accept the fact that the green agenda is a farce uh, and that limiting CO2 uh, any further is going to be incredibly, incredibly detrimental to our all living beings and plant life and everything. Uh, but they, they struggle to make the link between geoengineering and the obvious green agenda. Can you talk to us about that? I, I certainly completely agree with you that the the so-called green agenda is anything but green. The current forms of so-called renewable energy, and again, that's part of my background. I work for Bechtel Power, the world's largest engineering firm. I worked on some of the first commercial solar plants in the U.S. My home is off-grid wind, hydro, and solar. First, climate engineering is decimating all three forms of alternative energy wind, hydro, and solar. So wouldn't we have the so-called green community up in arms about climate engineering? They won't say a thing because they want to protect all the so-called green organizations want to protect their 501c3 nonprofit. So they won't talk about this issue. We know that because our attorneys have spoken to their attorneys, all the major groups, Greenpeace, Sierra Club, all of them. So that's the epitome of hypocrisy. And beyond this, again, the Treatment of the planet by the human race, I don't think we can argue, has been very poor. We're, what we're trying to do at geoengineeringwatch.org is to get all sides of this fence to unite in the common cause that interfering with the planet's life support systems is in none of our best interests. If we can expose this and halt it, we can then address where the planet is, is at from an environmental standpoint, from a climate standpoint. But while these programs are being utilized, we can't have a true, accurate assessment. So... When we change atmospheric chemistry, and it's not just CO2 doing this, and again, when you alter chemistry this fast, it's, it, it is a problem for organisms that haven't adapted. But when you fill the atmosphere with bioavailable, bioaccumulative elements that are being absorbed into everything, that's a destruction of the web of life from the bottom up. And even in the case of the bees, which I think, Maria, many people know that there's a problem with the bees, we have peer-reviewed science study that makes clear bees are dying of massive aluminum exposure 
in the middle of wilderness areas away from all industry. Where's that coming from? It's coming from climate engineering operations. Your listeners can search bees aluminum. They can review this for themselves. So what we're saying at geoengineeringwatch.org is that we need to unite behind this common theme, everybody from all sides of the fence, that climate engineering is in none of our best interests and there can be no legitimate discussion about climate anything without addressing this first and foremost. So again, about the so-called renewable energy, obviously the problems are finally coming to light from wind turbines to electric cars. How many child slave laborers are there in third world countries decimating what's left of their environments to, to get the trace minerals necessary for the so-called green car that now we know from about two days ago, a new study that they don't want anybody charging their cars at night because the grid can't take it and they're being charged it with coal-fired power plants anyway. This is the epitome of, of total insanity, all of this. There's, there's a gas used in solar power production called hexafluorothane. It's 17,000 times more potent than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. Do we hear any of the green communities talking about that? No, we don't. So the bottom line is the, the current forms of renewable energy are at best a carbon fuel extender. But we need to look at a lot of aspects of what we've done to the planet. Green energy is not a solution. It is simply a distraction at this point. But we are definitely in trouble. The, the degree to which the planet's been damaged, climate engineering being core to that, can't be overstated. We're losing the ozone layer. That by itself is a near-term existential threat. Uh, we, we have to face this issue. If we can fix this, we can address other issues and assess them. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to just say tonight, uh, Z Media at 6 p.m. Uh, AEDT time. I'm not sure what time that is in the United States, but it'll be up on Band Up Video tomorrow anyway. We've got an interview being released uh, on uh, with Professor Ian Plymer. He's an Australian geologist, emeritus professor at a Melbourne University, uh, and he just he he just debunks the whole green agenda in this interview. He's a fantastic, fantastic man, uh, and we talk about all the things you're talking about: the the batteries, uh, the disposal of these batteries. Where do we dispose of them? How detrimental is that to the environment? I mean. It's just it just makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, but I think it's really important, as you said, to link the two together because we can go and talk about the green agenda as much as we want. But in order to get an accurate assessment of where we're actually at as far as the planet goes, uh, we need to stop engineering the weather. We need to stop engineering the climate. So uh, this is so, so crucial, Dane. I want to ask you finally, just really quickly, um, you mentioned Marburg, the possibility of Marburg and hemorrhagic fevers being released at the very start of this broadcast, uh, I, I've heard that the, there are plans, I've seen the patents, there's already uh, vaccines available for Marburg. Uh, and, you know, the WHO declared an emergency in this part of the world, that part of the world. CDC has issued a Marburg alert, um, I think it was last month, if I'm not mistaken. So this, this, is, this is something that seems to be emerging. Uh, what makes you think that they might release that through the skies, though? Why, Why specifically Marburg or hemorrhagic fever? It strikes fear into the vast majority, as it should. You have a mortality rate with some of these elements of up to 90%. So at, at that point, uh, people are truly going to be in a panic. And I, under any scenario, we are about to hit the wall, period. It, again, metaphorically, human race is like the occupants of a car going 90 miles an hour, we're 10 feet from impact into a concrete wall. You can put the brakes on as hard as you want. We're going to hit. The question is now, will anyone survive the impact? If we have any chance of salvaging anything, we have to stop what's happening in our skies because if we don't, the planet's life support systems will soon be completely dysfunctional. 
all other causes and concerns at that point become moot. And in between now and that point, we're all inhaling incredibly toxic particles that we know of, and there's likely many more that we don't know of. So again, bottom line is this is a fight for life, Maria, nothing less. Dane, let people know where they can follow your work. So obviously we have geoengineeringwatch.org, whole library. Where else can people find you? That is the best place to find us. They can contact us at admin at geoengineeringwatch.org. And our only goal, we're non-political, we don't advertise. Our only goal is to stop this issue while there's anything left to salvage. People can share links from our site for free. Our documentary, we made a great effort and expense, is free. It was free from day one when it was done. People should not underestimate the power they have in this equation to make a difference, to start spot fires of awareness by taking a link like to the dimming, sending it to meteorologists, uh, elected officials, climate scientists, those that are pretending this isn't going on in our skies when the vast majority know it is. But all of us need to bring this to a critical mass of awareness. We can do that, Maria. We'll cause a shockwave around the globe. We could yet alter this equation in the right direction. Absolutely agree with you, Dane. The, the key is awareness. The key is to keep talking about this and provide people with the solid facts and the evidence. And if you do that and they still decide to say, no, this isn't real. I mean, I've, I've done that, yeah. I've provided someone with the Rainmaking Act from uh, the Victor state of Victoria here in Australia and they've said that's not real. And I said, it's literally the legislation, guys. <laughs> this is government legislation. What do you mean it's not real? That doesn't happen. Oh, okay, they just have the legislation for nothing. They, well, why would you need it? Um, but, you know, I, I think that not everyone is that ignorant, uh, willfully ignorant. And, you and, and you know, we, we do have a chance to, to wake up the masses. So I'm so grateful for your work, Dane. Again, geoengineeringwatch.org. Dane, God bless you. I'll talk to you very, very soon. Same to you, Maria, and my deepest gratitude to you and to InfoWars for your, for your help with sounding the alarm, all the work you do. Thank you. Thanks, Dane. You know, uh, Dane's so right. If we continue to speak about these issues and continue to raise the awareness, your role in this may be uh, to share a link with someone or to educate someone. And then that person might wake up to this and go, you know what, this is my sole purpose in life. I don't want to do anything else but focus on this. Dane's a perfect example of this. Dane has gone out. I mean, he's warning about other issues as well and, and, and many other issues. He gets it. But He's gone out and dedicated his life to building this extensive library and research that people can go to that it, it provides irrefutable evidence for what is happening in the world regarding weather and weather modification, climate engineering. So uh, I, I think that people really underestimate the power that you can have over one single individual's life and how that person can really rise up and change the world. Uh, you know, I, I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing today and yet you know, like like Alex was saying, people are waking up, thanking you. Um, and that's not me patting myself on the shoulder. It's just saying I, I was things that you maybe didn't think you were capable of. You would be surprised the doors that God opens up for you if you just say, you know what, I'm, go I'm going to make a difference and I can make a difference. As long as you believe that you can't make a difference, you won't. It's that simple. So don't ever let the globalists make you feel small or make you underestimate your capability or your power or your knowledge on this earth. You're not stupid people. If you're watching InfoWars, you are not stupid. Uh, you, you have decided that the truth is out there and you want to find it. So don't, don't ever let them make you feel that way. You're not small. You are capable of much more than you know. And I want to leave people with that today.
please, please tune in to Zero Time tonight, 6pm AEDT uh, on ZMedia.com or it'll be up on band tomorrow and next week for the Bombshell Report on Geoengineering. I'm your guest host, Maria Z, ZMedia.com. And it's such an honor to have been with you all today. Thank you. All the viewers. All righty. Yeah, there's some uh, scary stuff going on and they're right. You know, we can try to avoid the things, the crap in the food and the crap in the water. It's hard to avoid the crap in the air. And they are dumping it on us left and right, something fierce. And uh, it's just something that we got to be aware of that uh, it's very, very dangerous. Now, there's also another thing here I want to play real quick. This is a Greg Reese report, uh, John Kerry, of course, and what he wants to do with the food supply. In his usual lying hysteria, John Kerry, who serves as the first U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate, told a series of lies and announced that our government is planning to shut down U.S. agriculture. They call it innovation because they are confident that our pain and desperation will someday give birth to an innovative new solution. Or at least that's their cover story. Emissions from the food system alone are projected to cause another half a degree of warming by mid-century on the current course that we are today. And instead of being on a course to be able to hold the Earth's temperature increase to 1.5 degrees, we're actually on a course to hit around 3 degrees right now. And you just can't continue to both warm the planet while also expecting to feed it doesn't work. And as is so often the case with respect to the climate crisis, we have to fight on multiple fronts simultaneously. This is the biggest organizational effort that I think we have faced, um, certainly since World War II, but perhaps ever. So we have to reduce emissions from the food system to keep the 1.5 degrees alive. Why do we have to keep 1.5 degrees alive? Because scientists, as a basis of physics and mathematics, not ideology and politics or party labels or anything else, as a matter of physics and mathematics and some biology and chemistry have told us, these are the consequences. Everything out of his mouth is a lie. The exact opposite of what he says is true. The scientists he is referring to are almost all on the United Nations payroll. The real scientific community of the world realize that the world's climate has changed in extreme erratic ways over the years without human pollution. In one of the most recent studies, our house university researchers found that the Arctic had ice-free summers just 10,000 years ago. And ice core samples show that the Earth is in a cooling period, not a warming one. But these decrepit old gatekeepers want us all dead because the system isn't giving up control. And I think uh, to those in civil society, we gotta push more. We gotta be more militant, maybe. President Biden has demanded an all-of-government initiative. Uh, we are all working together. Every department of our government is uh, engrossed in this. And uh, if we make the right choices, there's no question in my mind we can win this battle. While our food supply is under terrorist attack by our own government, 
The power grid is being targeted for a false flag, and a story is already being spun to blame it on American patriots. Meanwhile, the communist Chinese are meeting their bogus climate change quotas in a different way. They are spray painting rocks and sand green, and they are planting vast fields of fake flowers made of white rocks stuck on the ends of steel rebar. According to local translators, this is being done to make areas look more green in aerial photography. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. You gotta love that. <laughs> Spray painting their sand and rocks green and putting <laughs> white rocks on rebar. Woohoo! <laughs> gotta love them Chinese. <laughs> They're very innovative. Just what a joke. And I'll tell you what, it's crazy. Jim? Yes, sir, Dave. Where the are you? And why aren't they taking these sons of out? to lunch well, just a minute gotta make a note here 5245 <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> I have no idea I really don't know yeah oh, I, would, I would love to see I'm reaching a point where preemptive strikes really that's not the right term anymore because preemptive strikes should have been done years ago now we're in the war. We just need to strike. You know, I right. don't know. These turkeys need to be dealt with. And, you know. Like yesterday. Yeah. 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 Um, seeing these people on the street would be interesting. I would consider the target-rich yeah, environment. That, right? What's that? I said good luck with that, right? Yeah, if it was ever to happen, you know, it would be interesting to see people like, you know, Bill Gates walking down the street or John Kerry or any of those people. Target rich environment, you know, do your duty. I think they know better. <laughs> yeah, that's they all got their private security and they're all uh, travel everywhere in bulletproof vehicles and whatnot, which uh, uh, it shows a little bit of intelligence on their part, but. I don't know. While well, when when Gates it's got fear, hit in the face with a pie years ago, I think he woke up. Underground. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to put him underground permanently. <laughs> <laughs> boy, old bubble boy. Oh man, I don't know. It's just it's getting bad, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's for, sure seems to be the case. They're they're painting all the pictures. Um, I think yes, or the other day I heard a recording, uh, I think it was Candace Owens was talking about um, the things that are coming and basically how they uh, were indicating, you know, like with the um, uh, Event 201, they came out and virtually said, yeah, this is coming. So when they say something else is coming, we better be listening to them because you can bet that they're rolling they're getting ready to roll something out that will make covid look like a school picnic and um, i'm not saying that they've got a virus i think it's a toxin that interacts along with the 5g to really screw up your system but again everything i'm seeing whether it's the uh the crap in the chemtrails 
or the things that they're trying to roll out whatever way they do. The, our only defense is nutrition and terahertz frequencies. You know, everything I'm seeing, those are the only two things that so far that have consistently helped people uh, take out the trash. And, you know, with the fact that Doc Wallach took those jabs and hasn't seemed to have any problems, I'd say that's a good indicator. I think it would be great if he would uh, have his blood tested and see if it looks anything like some of the other folks that have taken the COVID jabs or if it looks normal. I would venture to say it probably looks normal because all the uh, nutrition he's absorbed over the years has uh, enabled his body to deal with all that crap and get rid of it uh, before it causes any problems. But uh, maybe next time you see him, <laughs> you can suggest that. Uh, I would love to, but I don't have the contact with him that you do. Um, but who knows? You know, That's a good idea. Yeah. I, I would really love to see him get in touch with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I think he's out in Idaho that has the uh, forensic lab, or not forensic lab, but bio labs. Um, one of the docs. Oh, Richard? No. Um, it's one of the doctors that has shown up on the radar since COVID came out. He's got his own um, biotesting lab, and uh, they've been checking a lot of different things, but I think he would be a good one to send some blood samples to and say, hey, compare this with other things you're seeing uh, with people that have had the COVID jabs and compare it. But, uh, you know, who knows? Be something to see. Anyway, you know, the more and more, you know, as time goes on, there's more and more information coming out, you know, that just confirms everything we've been saying all along. Excess deaths in Germany only started to appear after COVID vaccines were unleashed, <laughs> a new study finds. And that's pretty much what we saw everywhere. You know, there were no excess, excess deaths from COVID. All they did was rename them. The death rates stay the same. But uh, the excess numbers, when it really started to explode, was when the jabs came out. And then, boom, <laughs> it was uh, skyrocketing. And then right along with that, Russia's claiming that avian flu pathogens with 40% lethality rate in humans being cooked up at where? <laughs> U.S.-run biolab in Ukraine. <laughs> Imagine that. And I like this one. It isn't funny. Comedians paid by the CDC to shill for vaccines dropping dead all around the globe. I don't know. Maybe it is funny. In less than one year, 27 comedians around the world have died suddenly. Not a single report mentioned that every single one of them was likely injected with millions of toxic spike proteins that are known to cause sudden unexplainable cardiac arrest or stroke. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Eleven of them were Americans, and several died right on stage after pushing for one uh, other naive humans to run out and get the Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 clot shots, which are known to cause vascular, uh, fatal vascular clots invading the cleansing organs and trigger hyperimmune reactions that wind up sending these joke-telling vaccine pushers six feet under. <laughs> CDC does not want autopsies done on the deceased who are vaccinated. Of course not. Although several billion humans have been injected with COVID-19 jabs at least once, 
if not a few times, only a handful of autopsies of those who died suddenly afterwards have been performed. The news, despite censorship and cover-ups, has been littered with stories of perfectly healthy people dying of unknown causes, including more than two dozen comedians in the last year. Yeah, I have one of my guys at church Sunday morning uh, had to leave early because uh, he had a cousin that just keeled over without notice. I said, hmm. And I mentioned to him, I says, uh, any chance he took the COVID jabs? And he says, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so there you go. It's happening to military members, athletes, pilots, and now joke tellers, who ironically get paid by the vaccine pushers to push propaganda and insult those who avoid the clot shots like the plague. No wonder why. Take, for example, comedian David A. Arnold, a Netflix star who died suddenly at the ripe age of 54 while on a comedy tour. Coroners ruled out that he died from natural causes, so what was it then? <laughs> no cause of death is reported at all. Why not? The odds that Arnold was injected with millions of deadly spike prions was high because he was performing at clubs that required proof of full injection for entry. Another comedian who died unexpectedly was English comedian Andy Smart. Again, no cause of death was available. Then, the American comedian Teddy Ray passed away at the ripe age of 32. <laughs> His cause of death is hidden from the public eye. Why? Teddy Ray had appeared several times on the Russell Simmons digital comedy stream, All Deaf Digital, and on MTV's Wild and Out. Never heard of either of them. In Japan, Sayoshi uh, Kubota, uh, a member of the Japanese comedy duo Independence Day, died suddenly at the young age of 36. His death herself had deteriorated rapidly, but the reports won't say how or why. Again, the cause of death was hidden from the public eye. Why, nobody had ever heard of him having health issues. Then suddenly, it all went downhill and he croaked. Sounds like another result of a mysterious clot shot pandemic. Sean Lampkin, the comedian who played bartender Nipsey on the show Martin, never heard of them either, <laughs> died at age 54 of unknown causes in his sleep at... <laughs> And they repeated themselves, died at age 54 of unknown causes in his sleep at 54. <laughs> also, U.S. actor, Emmy Award winner, and comedian Leslie Jordan, never heard of that person, also, um, or from American Horror Story, died from his own horror story accident when his car crashed into a wall in Hollywood. Speculation is that he passed away while driving after getting vaccinated with spike protein prions that may have caused a heart attack or stroke. This is, how, this is now a very common cause of death, though the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, a.k.a. the COVID death cult, and mass media are in cahoots to cover it all up. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And the spookiest part is that most of the comedians that are flopping on stage performed at clubs that require COVID jabs to enter. And many of them made jokes about people being afraid to get the clot shots. How ironic. The Fauci flu jabs are obviously no nothing to joke about. 
as they are likely to cause myocarditis, pericarditis, vascular clots, autoimmune disorder, central nervous system problems, and a whole host of other deadly side effects. Watch out, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> we can only hope. And Colbert and all the rest of them schmucks. Those clot shot jokes just might come home to roost, as they have with so many other vaccine industry comic shills. Oh, that would just break my heart. Oh, man. Babies, breastfed by mothers who took the mRNA jabs, are dying. Poor little things. Babies being breastfed by mothers infected with mRNA shots against the Wuhan coronavirus. <laughs> I said infected. <laughs> Freudian slip says injected. <laughs> are dying. This warning came from Dr. William Mackis, a Canadian physician with triple specialization in radiology, oncology, and immunology, and the author of over 100 peer-reviewed medical articles. Mackis provided two cases of babies who passed away due to being breastfed by mothers fully injected uh, against COVID-19. And uh, one case involved a 36-year-old mother from New Mexico who wrote about how her eight-week-old baby died on July 20 in July, died in July of 2021. He became very sick with a high fever on June 21, about two weeks after I got the first Pfizer vaccine. She wrote, "He was treated for two weeks with IV antibiotics for a, suspo a supposed bacterial infection. However, they never found any bacteria. Imagine that." Because bacteria don't infect, they clean up the mess. After the 14-day course of antibiotics, he was home for one week, but exhibited strange symptoms. She continued, noting how her child had a swollen eyelid, strange rashes, and was regularly vomiting. I took him back to the hospital on July 15th, where he presented with what they called an atypical Kawasaki disease. He passed away shortly thereafter from clots in his severely inflamed arteries, she concluded. Ooh, poor little thing. Mac has presented another case, that of a five-month-old baby who died on March 20th, 2021, just three days after the infant's mother received her second dose of Pfizer's mRNA jab. Just one day after the mother was fully injected, the infant suddenly developed a rash and became inconsolable, refusing to eat and developed a fever. Macus wrote, baby was uh, brought to ER, blood analysis revealed he elevated liver enzymes, was hospitalized but continued to decline and died on March 20th, 2021 with a diagnosis of TTP, thrombotic thrombocytopenic purpura, or TPP is a disorder characterized by a sudden formation of blood clots in small blood vessels that can block the flow of blood to vital organs like the brain, kidneys, and heart. Doctors have been warning against injecting pregnant and breastfeeding mothers since the beginning. Medical experts have been warning governments from almost uh, since the beginning of the rollout of COVID-19 jabs that these jabs should be kept away from pregnant and breastfeeding women over serious concerns about their safety. One such group, composed 66 doctors, scientists, and other clinical practitioners published its own opening letter warning or open letter warning that the safety outcome or concerns of COVID-19 jabs in pregnancy are too dangerous to ignore. The group, which can, includes uh, obstetricians and gynecologists from the UK, have warned against uh, recent advice from 
uh, medical organizations in the country about vaccinating pregnant women, claiming that it is uh, in complete contradiction uh, to everything that it is self it, that in itself and academic institutions have been teaching about evidence-based medicine. This advice is uh, is that COVID nineteen vaccines are not only safe but strongly recommended for pregnant women. <laughs> wrote the group in the letter. Such advice is not grounded in robust data based on ethically conducted research, and anyone who is medically and academically trained should take serious issue with this. The experts noted how concerned and deeply disturbed they are about how best scientific practices are being distorted just to bring a newly developed pharmaceutical product to market. We have a collective duty to restore the principles of medical ethics, to our practice and to clinical research. Excuse me, to protest uh, the most vulnerable groups from harm, and this includes pregnant women and their babies, the group concluded. Visit da- vaccinedamage.news for more stories about the side effects of COVID 19 jabs. Yeesh. Man, people that listen to their idiot MDs. Hmm. Let's let's see here. North Dakota school district defies state law and conceals students' preferred genders from parents. Oh, boy. He, him, she, sure, her, they, them. (laughs) Check. Parents in one school district in North Dakota are furious over the school board's refusal to abide by a newly signed state law prohibiting teachers from withholding a student's self-proclaimed gender identity from their parents. State law, and they're willfully violating it. Fargo Public Schools Superintendent Dr. Rupak Gandhi, or Gandhi, G-A-N-D-H-I, anyway, announced the district's intention to remain non-compliant of House Bill 1522 just one day after the North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum signed the bill into state law. HB 1522 states, among other things, that school districts may not withhold or conceal information about a student's transgender status from the student's parental or parent or legal guardian. The bill also prohibits self-identified trans K-12 students from using bathrooms that best align with their chosen gender identity. Schools will only be allowed to designate separate restroom accommodations for supposedly transgender students with the express permission of their parents. The school district claimed withholding information regarding students' self-identified gender identities from their parents is necessary due to potentially unsafe home environments that could stem from the unwillingness of families to accept their children's decisions. (laughs) Yeah, beat some sense into them, parents. (laughs) This decision elicited the fury of the parents of students in the school district who spoke out opposing the move at the school board meeting. The way I heard uh, the school board's policy is that you want to protect kids from their parents, said one father who slammed the district's noncompliance as suppressing talk. Not only do you think you know my kids better than I do, you think you know every kid better than every parent does by saying you will not deal with the parents, he continued. Won't won't you be shocked to discover when this happens to one of your kids? (laughs) Another parent, a mother warned that the school board's policy is setting a very dangerous precedent. Whose kids are these? Well, 
according to the courts, they're the schools and the governments. <laughs> and you're stupid enough to put them in public school. Do they belong to you as a school board? Do they belong to Fargo Public Schools? Or is each parent, each parent's child ultimately the decision maker in their family over what is allowed and what is safe for that child, said the mother. There is no possible way for each teacher to know every kid as intimately as their parents do. Several parents also showed up at the school board meeting to criticize HB 1522, claiming that immediately informing parents whether their children identify as transgender may put them in harm's way. However, the majority who spoke felt that FPS is the facilitating uh, secret keeping through its efforts to break the law. You teach your kids that nobody who asks you to keep a secret is, is safe, said one mother. Now this is going the other way. <laughs> this is an adult saying that they're, uh, they'll keep the child secret. Superintendent, school board, support defying state law against parents' wishes. At the school board meeting, explaining the FPS decision, Gandhi, <laughs> whatever it is, uh, told the community, that the board will double down on advocating for students in presence of a supposed conflict between dictates of federal and state law. Unless the board tells us otherwise, we will not openly uh, out any student because of one law if they know that it's going to cause harm to that child. They don't know that. Unless dictated by board, uh, the board otherwise, we will not participate in anything that we think is going to subject them to further discrimination or increase their self-harm. Oh, we'll just wait. Most of these kids will end up killing themselves down the road, thanks to you people. Unless board members see a different approach, that will be our course moving forward, he added. We're going uh, to do what's right for our kids, and when we see a conflict between state law, uh, federal law and state law, we're going to double down and advocate for our youth. Yeah, right. This uh, whatever-his-name also claimed that the passage of HB 1522 is a sign of that the adults of North Dakota and the members of the state legislative assembly failed our children because the bill supposedly puts politics above the humanity of children. Mm-hmm. Several members of the nine-person school board thanked the superintendent for his stance at the meeting, with many of them echoing his comments about supposedly doing what is most, uh, what will most pr- uh, protect students and keep them safe. Furthermore, district spokeswoman Anne Marie Campbell said FPS will continue to allow students to use the restroom that aligns with their self-identified gender identity, or a staff or single-stall restroom that is available for use. Any concerns expressed by parents will be addressed through administration with consideration to providing the safest environment possible for all students, claimed Campbell. Give me a break. Another reason why you should get your kids out of public schools. Oh, here we go. Got a little video here. Let's see here. See the books child groomers are fighting to keep in children's schools. Books are not banned. These sickening, evil, pro-pedo grooming books that don't show actual children being abused. So I guess technically on the first moment they're legal. I, But they're manuals on how to commit crime and manuals on how to lure children and manuals on how to groom. So I think it really is open for debate and should be decided by the Supreme Court because I'm right on the edge on this. I really don't think 
Gender queer should be a legal book. Telling your seven-year-old that if the neighbor wants to have sex with you in the shed, it's going to be great. Go ahead and let the adult have sex with you. I mean, you could end up being kidnapped, raped. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, it, it's 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 literally like if I wrote a book describing how to attack the U.S. Capitol and burn it down and burn, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. But if I was putting a book out saying maybe we should do this, it's a great thing to do this, and here's how you do it, that's not, that's fire in the theater there. But we have a debate about that. Should books like Gender Queer actually be banned? But the point is, they're not being banned. We're saying don't give them to elementary and middle school students. Warning, if you have children, they shouldn't watch this show. This is not a children's show. This is for you as a parent or if you're a young adult because you need to be armed with information so that you know how to protect children. Yeah, no, it's porn, okay? Porn. It's porn plus wow. advocacy and propaganda. And it's adult-child sex. Yes. It's for children to tell them this is normal if your adult neighbor wants to have sex with you in a shed. Yeah, and by no, the way— No, your adult neighbor needs to go to prison. This was written by George Johnson. Claimed to be sexually explicit, according to the American Library Association. Blame. Let me read you a quote. He reached down and pulled out my dick. He quickly went to giving me head. I just sat back and enjoyed it as well. Enjoyed it as I could tell he was too. Number Oops, I dropped the soap. Don't get any ideas, boys. That was weird and gross and wrong. But I feel so excited. That's grooming to a T. Okay, I think it's enough. <laughs> Good grief. That's the kind of stuff they're trying to show your kids. Elementary, middle school. That's unbelievable. If you got kids in public schools, what are you thinking? That's all I can say. Ooh, survey. Three in ten Canadians believe the poor and homeless should be eligible or maybe forced into assisted suicide. Good grief. A recent survey revealed that more than a quarter of Canadians believe that the homeless and poor should be eligible for state-sanctioned death. According to them, being impoverished or unhoused is a good enough reason for a doctor to inject somebody with a deadly cocktail of drugs. A survey conducted by the Canadian poll firm Research Co. found that 27% of the medical aid in dying or MAID, the country's end-of-life program, should be available to those in poverty, while 28% of the same, uh, said the same for the country's roughly 30,000 homeless people. Moreover, a higher percentage of the 1,000 adult respondents said that the assisted suicide should also be made available to those with disabilities, mental illness, and those who cannot receive medical treatment. A whopping 43% said the mentally ill should be allowed to get a doctor's help in ending their lives. 50% also believe that those with disabilities should also be able to receive MAID. Canada has been dubbed as the home of the most permissive assisted suicide program, which was launched in 2016. Records show that more than 10,000 people ended their lives under the scheme in recent years. Good grief. As the country's government officials ponder on whether the assisted suicide program should be extended to children and the mentally ill, 
The survey found that nearly 75% of Canadians believe the country has the right policies in place for letting people seek medical assistance in dying. Well, if they go after allow it for the mentally ill, that means everybody in the Canadian Parliament, including old uh, Fidel Jr., would be eligible. Hmm. There's a thought. We should do the same thing for Congress. Many Canadians support euthanasia, and the campaign group Dying with Dignity pointed out that the procedures are driven by compassion, an end to suffering and discrimination, and desire for personal autonomy. Oh, you want to kill yourself? Then you can be personally auto- <laughs> have your personal autonomy. But if you want to take, don't want to take the jabs, no, nope, not there. However, experts say that regulations lack necessary safeguards, devalue the lives of disabled people, and prompt doctors and health workers to suggest the procedure to those who might not otherwise consider it. Whatever happened to the Hippocratic Oath, docs? One-third of Canadians are fine with prescribing assisted suicide for homelessness, and uh, it's shameful, Lord David Alton, a British peer, tweeted. Homeless people need a roof over their heads, not a lethal injection. And homelessness, not the lives of the homeless. We said we were going to have safeguards and guardrails, but the next government can simply open up uh, further by making a decision that's exactly what's happening, said Alex Schadenberg, uh, director, uh, executive director of Euthanasia Prevention Coalition. Euthanasia is legal is legal in Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Luxembourg, and Netherlands, uh, New Zealand, and Spain, as well as in several states in Australia. It is available to children in the Netherlands and Belgium. Good grief. More and more Canadians avail of the MAID program. According to David Brooks, contributing writer for, at The Atlantic, MAID was originally conceived reasonably well-defined, Assisted suicide will only be granted to patients with serious illness or disability and advanced uh, state of decline. It could not be reversed with unbearable physical or mental suffering and someone who was at the point where natural death had become reasonably foreseeable. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, also known as Fidel Jr., even promised that the, 20, that the 2016 legislation would never endanger those who are psychologically vulnerable and not near death. This simply isn't something that ends up happening, he said. But now, the nation seems to be moving toward that road. Of course. <laughs> Within a few years, Canada went from being a country that banned assisted suicide to one of the loosest regimes in the world. Brooks highlighted in an article adding that the number of Canadians dying by physician-assisted suicide ballooned over the years. There were more than 10,000 assisted suicides in 2021, which is one in 30 of all Canadian deaths. The great majority of people dying this day and this way were elderly and near death, but those who seek assisted suicide tend to get it. In the, in the same year, only 4% of those who filed written applications were deemed not eligible for the program. If autonomy is your highest value, these trends are not tragic. They're welcome. <laughs> death, is no longer the, uh, death is no longer the involuntary, degrading end of life. It can be a glorious act of self-expression, Brooks said. <laughs> Good grief. 
One of the other, on the other side of the coin, the complex moral issues surrounding the end of life have drifted out of sight. Decisions tend to be made with, within a bureaucratic context where utilitarian considerations can come to dominate the foreground. Oh my goodness, and here's a little, let's see what this little video thing is. Amir Farsoud has applied for medically assisted dying, known as MAID. He lives in constant agony due to a back injury, but has started the process for end of life because his rooming house is up for sale and he can't find anywhere else to live that he can afford. He barely survives on Ontario disability support payments, which are just over $1,200 a month. He doesn't want to die, but being homeless is not an option. I know in my present health condition I would survive it anyway. Farsud meets the criteria for MAID, physical suffering due to disability that cannot be relieved. His doctor, who knows Farsud's real reason for MAID is his fear of being homeless, signed off on the application in August. Farsud needs a second to do the same. There's a 90-day waiting period. He believes he could potentially access MAID in about a month. I don't wish to be dead. Um, even with the pain, even with the meds. You know, this is something we covered, uh, this very case we covered, oh man, several months ago. Makes me kind of wonder at this point whether he's still alive or not. Crazy. Mm -mm -mm. Offing the poor, Canadian man facing homeless supplies for medically assisted death. That one. Good grief. Insane. Erdogan wins re-election in Turkey. Extends rule for five more years. Oh boy. Let's see what else is in here. Doo -doo -doo. Trans rights means trans entitlements and the end of civil society. Oh, now we've got a new sign. Got the little... Civil society is a community of individuals who are linked together by common interests and activities. Common interests include being able to walk the streets safely in peace and to exercise such rights as freedom of speech, individual freedom. These shared interests allow common activities to flourish, including commerce and the education of children. Civil society is possibly possible only because most people who want to live securely protect their loved ones and prosper. This laissez-faire attitude used to be the defining characteristic of Americans, but in an engineered, well-financed culture war, is destroying America's renowned tolerance. If the common interests of society break down and peace and freedom are replaced by violence and privilege, then common activities like free market commerce and education cannot function. One movement captures the raw destruction of this culture war against civil society, a demand for trans rights, blasts across America. But a sharp backlash against it has also developed, epitomized by the boycott of Bud Light Beer over the company's use of trans activist, I'm not going to give his name, little puke, as a new woman ambassador for the brand. He's not a woman, he's a man. Uh, a guy, a boy. <laughs> Male. The media characterizes this backlash as anti-trans hatred by conservatives, Christians, and other troglodytes. <laughs> Good grief. 
but few people care about the sexual or gender orientation of their neighbors. Critics of the trans movement are rebelling against the forced redefinition of biology, the destruction of women's sports by trans athletes, the hijacking of children's education, the medical experiment of gender transitioning children, and the intrusion of penises in women-only spaces like bathrooms, locker rooms, prisons, and shelters. Critics don't want to oppress anyone. They want a return to civil society of peace and individual rights. That's not true. What do you mean they don't want to oppress anyone? They want to oppress the regular people. What about the women who want to have their uh, sports and their restrooms uh, free of these uh, hangy-down parts between the legs? To understand why the trans rights movement has caused such damage, it's necessary to ask three questions. What is a transgendered person? What are rights? What is produced by the actions the movement takes? What is a transgendered person? <laughs> a sick person who thinks they're something they're not. Already we're in trouble. Many prominent intellectuals today can't even answer the simpler question. What is a woman? <laughs> An adult female homo sapiens. That's what a woman is. This, this article uses the common def definition. Transgender describes people whose gender identity, <laughs> their sex, does not match their assigned gender at birth or sex at birth. In other words, they're idiots. They were mentally ill, even though they were born a male or born a female, they think they're something else. That's mental illness in a very straight form. It's one of the many gender categories being advanced by social justice. <laughs> All BS. There are many as uh, as many as 81 dis distinct categories, 81 different ones, huh? All of which are said to be fluid or constructed over time. Again, mental illness. There are two sexes, period. Get it? One, two. God created male and female. Male and female created he them. <laughs> Politically speaking, transgenderism is the other gender categories are... <laughs> and the other gender categories, are a continuation of identity politics, which is all a bunch of crap. It's a fairly standard definition of identity politics, the politics of group-based movements claiming to represent the interest and identity of a particular group rather than policy issues relating to all members of the community. The group identity may be based on ethnicity, class, religion, sex, sexuality, and other criteria. It is an attempt to splinter society into groups and categories, all of which are at war with each other because their interests are said to conflict. What does this war look like? <laughs> Consider a controversial example, gender transitioning. Again, mutil sex mutilation. This is when a person uses reassignment therapy, hormone replacement, and sex reassignment surgery to change their birth sex, which they cannot do. They can cut off parts, they can add fake parts, but they cannot change their sex. Their sex is, a, is baked into the cake and will always be what it always was. Few argue against the gender transition of adults who pay for the process themselves. They're stupid, but if they want to do that, that's up to them. 
But the trans movement demands that the gender transitioning of children, often at taxpayer expense, that is, a tomboy might become a boy through methods that include irreversible surgery. And they won't become a boy. They'll just be a girl with weird stuff or lacking stuff, whatever. There's at least two flashpoints here. One is the minimum age at which a person should transition. Not should, could. The World Professional Association for Transgender Health claims hormones can start at age 14 and some surgeries at 15. In other words, at the height of the teenager's sexual confusion. Recently, a licensed social worker at a children's medical center in Austin, Texas, was reportedly recorded as saying the center provided gender modification to children as young as eight. On April 25th, Senator Ted Cruz and Representative Chip Roy submitted a formal request to the center for information on how gender dysphoria is diagnosed, how federal dollars are spent in the process, and whether patients under 18 underwent experimental medical procedures. The group war here is between a child's right against physical abuse and the trans activist demands for children's access to transition. The other flashpoint is that transitions are often performed without parental consent or despite parental objections. The rights war here, trans activists are usurping traditional parental rights and the parents are outraged. You know, the thing is, is... What they should be saying, if you have these concerns, if you're, if you uh, as a minor feel that you want to become something you're not, wait a few years. You're 15. Surely three years can go by, and when you turn into a so-called an adult, if you still want to do that, knock yourself out. Pay for it yourself and reap the rewards and the consequences of such actions. But under no circumstances should this ever be done to someone under the age of 18 or the age of consent. The idea that the rights of one group conflict with those of another is perverse because it destroys the very basis of human rights. Human rights are universal because they are rooted in human nature. All human beings possess the same rights to the same degree. Yeah. And some things that they claim are rights are not rights. Rights are not based on, secondary, on uh, secondary characteristics such as gender or sex. They rest on a shared humanity. In other words, a trans person has the same rights to the same degree as every other person in society, no more, no less. Same with queers. You know, you have the right to marry someone of the opposite sex just as well as someone else does. Period. Rights demanded by trans activists are actually entitlements or group privileges. This is made clear by the claim of historical oppression, which is used to justify many demands. What is really being claimed is victimhood, upon which their entitlements are based. For trans activists to sustain their victimhood status, however, those who oppose them must be cast as oppressors and endless haters. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't use the term gay. <laughs> That's, you know, that just is, <laughs> they're not gay, they're queer. Conveniently, this characterization moves the need to deal with any argument the haters present, such as the need to for real human rights.
They're God-given rights, not human rights. Again, the trans stance is a, is a perversion. If the trans movement has been historically oppressed, and I do not argue against this, then the movement should value individual rights more than the individual person. These freedoms are how an aggrieved individual rises to his feet or her feet. But trans activists do not want to be treated as equal individuals. They want to be treated be a privileged group that imposes huge costs on the majority of society to their great benefit. Individual rights are an obstacle. Gender transition is one area in which civil society is being replaced with civil warfare. But there are many others. Trans women housed in women-only venues like prisons and shelters and biological women they're at risk, put their put biological women at risk of sexual assault, rapes, and all writ, and they're already happening. Trans curricula in American public schools indoctrinate children at the expense of teaching basic life skills like math and literacy. A prominent doctor on Fox News warned first year medical students are exposed to woke sex and gender prime or primer lesson. This shifts the focus away from medical problems. It could also damage relationships with patients who do not share woke ideology or are not a privileged group or in a privileged group. The same is happening in law schools. The trans agenda violates constitutionally guaranteed freedom of speech in myriad ways and from forcing schools to use pronouns uh, like XE and HIR, whatever that means, to shouting down speakers or violently attacking them. Draconian hate speech laws are destroying meaningful public discourse. A new bill passing through the Irish Parliament, for example, outlaws communication or, or the possession of material that might incite hatred against protected classes, including gender, which is wrong. It's about, that's language sex is biology this is punishable by up to five years in prison the demand to include trans athletes in women's sports is destroying the entire field yep transition children who deeply regret transitioning are generally silenced and dismissed oh you're just one in a million the rest are doing great one way detransitioners are dismissed is through studies and statistics into which little trust can be invested. An article in the Associated Press claims, in a review of 27 studies of transgender surgeries, 1% on average expressed regret. If this is true, it's good news, but is it true? <laughs> the incessant ideology pumped through academia and the airwaves is yet another cost to civil society, Academics, journalists, and so-called experts have earned the public scorn. Studies are, and research have become just one more front in this war against all. Hmm. The media and, and authorities richly deserve this summary, summary judgment from the public. Consider how they handle acts of violence. Every act of violence against a, a trans person seems to be widely reported and condemned, as it should be. But trans violence against biological women and other outsiders seems to be ignored or excused. Yep. Look what happened in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, when a woman shot up the school. And she was the victim, not the six dead people. 
even the trans shooter, <laughs> here we go, in Nashville, <laughs> who killed three, I should have read ahead, who killed three nine-year-old uh, school children and three adults is protected by authorities who refused to release the shooter's manifesto. The media reports are often expressed more concern about a backlash against trans people than about the dead children. Save Services, an agency that works to assure process and fairness in schools, has an interesting page called Stop the Wave of Transgender Violence, where many cases of trans violence are documented. In this environment, it is simply not possible to know what's true about the levels of violence and against whom. I would end by asking, can a more general violence, a savage civil unrest, be far behind? Hmm. I believe it's already here. You people are sick. Period. They belong in a mental institution. Oh, goodness gracious. Hidden agenda. Governments, organizations, corporations, and nonprofits joining forces to force acceptance of transgenderism on unwilling population. Yeah, that's the whole thing. They're just shoving it down people's throats whether they want it or not. That's the one thing I don't like about Gypsy is you can't post memes in the chat. <laughs> I sure wish you could because I had a really good one. I put it on my Facebook and um, um, whatchamacallit page, uh, Telegram channel yesterday. It's basically, it's a pic picture of one young lady is standing up against the wall and it says, me trying to live my life. And then there's another young lady with a great big base, um, what the heck, uh, it's kind of like a tuba, but it's designed for uh, drum and bugle cores. And it's the bell of the thing is right up against the face of the other person who's just trying to live their life. And of course, the person holding it has the gay, trans, uh, LGBTQ, Black Lives Matter banner on it. And it's just they're, they're blasting it in their face is what it boils down to. It's a good, green, good graphic. Really does a good job of explaining it. But many ethical and moral people in America are leaving their jobs and even abandoning LGBT activism because corrupt organizations are leveraging long-term cash promises based on whether workers accept the grooming of children and the sex change surgery movement called transgenderism. And I covered this. It was, I'm not sure if it was on the morning or afternoon show yesterday, so I'm not going to do it all over again. But... Um, People are being pushed into this stuff. They're offering raises to, to go along with it. And luckily, a lot of people are just saying, nope, not going to do it. Getting out of here. And as well, they should. Got to be true to something. <sighs> Let's see here. What else? University of Texas. These are all leftovers from yesterday. Oh, well. Anybody have any comments, concerns, anything going on? Sex, child sex trafficking with the rich and powerful, the Jennifer Guskin story. Hmm. Well, let's hit the read more button now. Oh, yeah, and there's a picture of Jennifer Guskin. I guess that's who this is. We met Jennifer Guskin back in 2018 when one of, the, one of my reporters interviewed her after Baltimore Department of Social Services had medically kidnapped her baby daughter. That sucks. 
And it's a picture of Donald Trump with, I'm assuming, this woman, Jennifer Guskin. And, of course, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, shoot. That's Melania. Is that Melania? Yep. Are you sure? Yep. Hmm. I kind of met her at the at the Kit Kat Club or whatever. Yeah, hmm. and that's Epstein and Maxwell, or Hawk, rather. Hmm. Elaine Hawk. <laughs> 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 whatever <laughs> anyway you know what those jewish names out there like that you know yeah yeah it's just like uh uh Ahmed, the dead terrorist a c h phlegm <laughs> uh, they speak flemish yeah anyway jennifer was very concerned about her baby who's been put into foster care and forcibly vaccinated against her will and her husband's will oh, it's nice to see that both of them are opposed to it she was especially concerned because she had too had she too had been put at risk in foster care as a very young child, and then sexually trafficked into uh, to the rich and powerful in Washington D.C. area for years. So she was un, uh, understandably concerned about something similar happening to her baby, as we have been documented over the years. Our nation's foster care system is the number one pipeline for child sex trafficking. We've edited her story like we did with every other medical kidnapping story by interviewing her or reviewing her documentation and medical records in her child custody case and then interviewing her for the, her side of the story. 2018 was a record year in the Trump presidency and the Q and QAnon movement was starting to really pick up speed, reporting many cases of child trafficking, all with the hope of President Trump was uh, going to arrest those responsible and stop this horrible system. This led some, like Jennifer, to decide uh, to go public with her own story on how she was trafficked. In the end, unfortunately, only Jeffrey Epstein was arrested, but he never faced trial. <laughs> yeah, he's, I wonder, he's probably back on his island sipping a little umbrella drink. I doubt very much that he's dead. Anyway, I've known Jennifer's story since 2018 and have had all of her videos copied and backed up in the cloud for going on five years now. Her story is so horrific, far worse than anything else we've ever published, that I uh, never published it or gave, uh, gave her exp exposure because I knew few people would believe it. But her story is not unique. It involves MK Ultra mind control and experimentation, along with grim details of murder and satanic ritual abuse. Jeez. And because she was trafficked in Washington, D.C., she names names. But now it's time for her to publish her story. I tracked, down, tracked her down today and spent some time chatting with her. And unlike most stories similar to hers that we have covered, up, covered in the past, she has not given up. She told me that her daughter is now part of her life again and she is trying to get her back home. She wants her story, uh, her story told and in the hope that America will wake up and understand the full scope of just how serious of an issue this is, like a cancer that is growing and killing our nation. Many of you should probably not watch this video as it could cause you severe emotional trauma. If you have watched the documentary published by Polish film producer Patrick Vega called Eyes of the Devil, and we're able to handle that, then please know that Jennifer's story is far worse. Ooh, goodness. Wow. Well, I'm just going to click the start button here and see what happens for a few minutes anyway. Viewer discretion is advised. Keep that in mind. <laughs>
everyone. So, before I really get into everything that happened to me, I kind of want to start at the beginning and um, get into the blackmail aspect of, uh, of Pedogate. Um, it's a bit long-winded of an explanation, but it'll give you a, a general idea of how um, it, it works. Um, they put us into three groups, or three lines, honestly. They have us line up. Um, for, for ease of, uh, of video, um, I'm going to group them into three different lines. And I think there were three lines, but three different lines. One is of four-year-olds through nine-year-olds, nine-year-olds through 13-year-olds, and 13-year-olds through 17, 18-year-olds, usually 17-year-olds. Um, it wasn't by direct age. It was by how old we looked. So what they would do is they would line us up. Um, I think the lineups usually happened in different rooms. Um, and uh, there were two types of quote-unquote parties. There was um, just the normal, hey, let's, let's pick a child and have fun. And then there was, I believe it was once or twice a year, where it was like, all right, guys, we're going to tell you the age bracket that you're going to fuck. And uh, you will pick a child from that age bracket, and you will f them on uh, on video. We'll take pictures, we'll take video, um, and you will behave yourself because you will have blackmail over you. Um, we knew we knew pretty quickly that certain people had certain preferences. There were people who specifically would pick people that were much younger in group one. And then there are those who would go for the people that were older, the ones that are 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 people. There are people who preferred the much later ones. And there are, of course, people who preferred the, the ones in the middle. Um, but it was interesting because what would happen around the blackmail time period is um, when certain people had certain preferences, they would use those preferences to decide whether they're going to move us up. Let's say, for example, Mr. X has a preference for group two girls. And he's, or I'm going to say girls because it was usually divided girls and guys. Uh, Mr. X had a preference for group two girls. Well, he would have to choose somebody from group one. And usually he would choose the eldest looking of group one. Um, if group, if the girl from group one got chosen um, a certain amount of times by somebody who preferred somebody from the older age bracket, they would move them up to a higher group. Um, and this was, was fairly common. I think I said before this happened uh, once or twice a year. It was a consistent thing. Um, blackmail is extremely, extremely, extremely prevalent. Odds are, if somebody is in some form of upper echelon of society, they have been blackmailed via um, having sex with a minor. Um, one experience that I had that uh, left a really big impact was I went to a friend's birthday party, which was probably unironically a pizza party. And um, we went um, to the basement of the pizza place and um, I was down there being taken by somebody I don't remember who at the moment 
um, and a older man gets brought in with a, a bag or something over his head. It was pulled off, and he was told that he was going to have to have sex with a little boy that was right in front of him, or they were going to kill him and his family. Um, this little boy was pretty much bent over right um, next to me. We were kind of, well, if he was sitting up, he would have been facing me. If I was sitting up, I would have been facing him. So at this time period, um, I'm getting um, taken, and uh, the other man is given something to stay erect, and he starts having sex with the, the little boy, who, well, at this point, um, the man is crying. He's in hysterics. There's a video camera in the corner of the room uh, filming everything, and uh, I can hear other people spectating and laughing and enjoying it and getting a kick out of it and just loving how upset uh, the man was. This was something I had gotten kind of used to at this point. Not the crying. I had never seen a grown man cry like that before. So that was, that was really rough to see. But um, I told him, as I was being taken, I looked up at him and I told him, you know, finish as fast as possible because they're not going to let you stop until you finish. The faster you can finish and the faster you can get it over with, the easier it is on us. Um, and at that point, uh, that man stopped crying, disassociated himself, and um, the person behind me wasn't pleased that I spoke to the one who was standing in front of me. So he finished, and I went back upstairs. Um, uh, at that point, um, the man came out, and I, I forgot to mention that he had come in with a friend, um, and the friend was trying to kind of talk him through it. Oh, no, you could just do it quick. Don't worry about it. It won't be a problem, blah, 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 blah. Um, but later on, the man and his friend came out, and the friend was very different after he came out. He was... He went from being sort of nice to just straight up slimy. Um, so the man comes out and uh, I tried to uh, give him a hug and uh, help him feel better and try to tell him it'll be okay and that it's okay. Um, but uh, his friend pushed me away and escorted him outside out of the back. Um, they both got into a van and in the back of the van was who I thought was um, the man's wife and a couple of their kids. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say who it was because I know who it was. Um, that man went on to become a senator. Um, the man that's his friend, also, or quote-unquote friend, also works in the government. Um, but... Um, yeah, I figure the best way to start really going on about this is to mention the fact that a lot of the people in this have been blackmailed. A lot of them have been bribed. Don't get me wrong, there are plenty of people that say, Oh, yeah, I can be filthy rich if I f a child? Sure, give me that kid. There are a lot of other people that don't do it willingly. They don't want to do it. They don't want anything to do with it. They want to end it. And um, across my, my time... 
I met a lot of people, a lot of high-profile people. Um, and I'm, I remember names. I remember names. I remember faces. I'd probably remember their scent to give you an idea. But um, the biggest thing that I need everybody to remember going forward is that these cases need to be treated on an individual case-by-case -case basis. There have been people who have been blackmailed and want nothing to do with this. There are people who have been bribed and, and do it with a smile on their face. The latter is a lot more dangerous and a lot more important to deal with than the former. So we need to stay focused. We need to stay focused and make sure that we are going after the right targets. Because I don't want to see that man. I don't want to see that man go to jail for what he did. I really don't. I don't want to see anybody who is in that situation go to jail for what they did. The people who were laughing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They deserve to go to jail. They deserve much worse. And they'll never get what they deserve. But we have to be mindful on a case-by-case -case basis. Don't let somebody who is forced into this suffer more than they have to. Whoa. I'm going to stop it there. Kind of makes you wonder. I've heard that kind of stories in the past, but that's the first time I've... Uh, actually heard anybody talking that was actually involved in it yeah that's pretty common uh-oh there's somebody in conference call say what it wasn't actually before there's someone in conference call that's muted maybe they think they're muted but it's really the gypsy audio that has the problem but I've studied into quite a few of these. It's kind of commonplace, unfortunately. Hmm. Don't know. There's only uh, two other people in free conference call, and they're both muted. But we're just about out of time, so. I'll have a fix for tomorrow. What about tomorrow? I just hope it's fixed for tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be, a, uh, as usual, I'm sure it'll be a good show. Mike and Cal and DW and everybody, it'll be, uh, I'm sure it'll be decent. And today, you know, I apologize for the language. I, I should have known that there would be something in there, but... Uh, we will, it won't be in the replay, but, um, you know, sometimes the graphic nature of something has to be there to really drive home the point. Yep. And, uh, but, you know, you can't help but feel, you know, I'm very sorry for this person and all, I mean, she's just one of thousands, I'm sure, probably you know, tens of thousands of children that have worked their way through this system, many of whom never survived it. And, 
Hopefully one of these days she'll be able to uh, testify against some of these people and uh, put them away. But we are out of time, and as we said before, we'll be back tomorrow with Mike and Cal and DW, and um, I'm sure a good time will be had by all. But uh, until then, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And we will see everybody tomorrow. Hope you have a great day the rest of your day. Spend it with uh, someone you love and uh, take care. God bless. <music>